This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 169, Addicted to the Struggle. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hi there my friends. Welcome to another episode of the show. I know I say this all the time, but I'm always so grateful that you have chosen to spend this time with me. Today, we are gonna be talking about if you could be addicted to the struggle. So, let me tell you first why I was inspired to create this episode. So, I have mentioned this in many other episodes, but I've been in a mastermind of my own. It's called Seven Figure Seductress. There have been eight of us in it over the past six months. We started in January and now we're ending here in June. And it's been such a beautiful journey. I would say about half of us in the mastermind really embody what we call the seven-figure seductress. Like they just own it. They live in pleasure. They have pretty good, if not great, profit margins, which in the coaching industry is about a 50% profit or more. So if somebody's bringing in a million dollars, they're making like 500k, right? So yeah, it's been really interesting to see those four who are really rocking it and embodiment of that person, I guess. And then there's some four of us and I'm in this four who is like in the hunt, right? We're like really growing. Most of us, it's our first time in this mastermind And so, you know, it's like, it's this beautiful mix, you know, it kind of reminds me of like when I was on a dance team, you know, we would have like our older kind of more established veterans and then we have our newbies and our veterans are really coaching and mentoring our newbies. And so that's where I've been in that newbie space and I've been watching the four who I believe embody seven seven figure seductress very well, very closely and I'm like, okay, what is it that they're doing differently? And I've been sitting there and studying them and studying them. This is my Enneagram 5 side. I love to sit there and observe and study people. And one of the things I realized is they're no longer addicted to the struggle. 
Meaning that again, they just live in like this really pleasurable place and things have gotten to be really quote unquote easy for them. And they've worked through their shit to be able to get to a place where they're not self-sabotaging as much. Now, of course, some of it happens, but they have really been able to break the barriers of being what I call addicted to the struggle. So let's just break down what that even means. So one of the books I love so very much, and I actually give it to all of my clients, it's called The Big Leap, and it's by Gay Hendricks. If you haven't read it, it's a really quick and easy read. Some people love it. Some people are like, eh, I could do without it. But what I love about that book is he talks about a concept that he came up with called the upper limit problem. So in essence, what he theorized, and I believe it's completely true, is that we are all born and we have, in essence, like a certain temperature that our body and our minds become comfortable living at, okay? So, you know, for example, it's been so interesting because as I'm recording this, my son's been in the hospital, which is a whole nother tangent for a whole nother day. <laughs> I'll probably get to it when I do my like bonus mid-year recap episode. But in this, you know, I've been around a lot of different people that I'm not normally around, right? And seeing some people of how much apparent trauma they're living in and even just like the way they speak to their children because of their trauma and their energy level and how much lower frequency it is. So, you know, it's like those people that are really angry all the time, um, really just kind of put out. Like when we were in the ICU with him, him being my son, we were kind of in this room where it was just like we had these curtains around us. We didn't even have a private room. And so I got to hear pretty much like everyone's business around us. And beside us was a family and they had a baby who, gosh, I don't know what was going on with her, but she was just had a really funky cough and just kind of seeing the way they interacted with the baby and how they didn't hold her. And anytime she would cry, they would be like, eh, you're fine. You know, ah, shut your mouth kind of thing, which I know for many of us is like, oh, so heartbreaking. Right. But if you grow up in that environment, right? Say your temperature is always set to like 20 degrees and I'm doing Fahrenheit here. <laughs> I know for Celsius, that's like, oh, that's a totally different thing. So your, your temperature is like set to those 20 degrees, right? Which is a pretty low temperature, pretty low frequency. So for me, when I'm around stuff like that, it's jarring to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is not in my temperature range whatsoever what I'm used to. I kind of believe I was kind of probably set around like 70-ish degrees which, you know, 70s are a nice place to be. And to the external world, like my life was great. My parents had a lot of safety and security. My dad was an engineer. He made good money. My mom worked here and there and she was a stay-at-home mom. And also I experienced a lot of emotional abuse and I don't think my mom necessarily meant to emotionally abuse me. I think she was just passing down what she learned and, you know, she was born in the 50s. And so, you know, back then it really wasn't considered emotional abuse what she went through. You know, and, and in that too, I'm very sensitive. I've done brain scans recently. I have a, what's called a sensitive brain. And so I'm just a sensitive soul, right? A sensitive brain. And so little things 
I take in and I really get impacted by those things, okay? So anyways, I was um, born and raised about 70 degrees. I believe a lot of the people I was surrounded with growing up were probably around like 80 degrees. And so constantly I was at this place of like, oh man, I just wish I could just be like, I just had a little bit more, like I just need something else. And I knew a huge part of that was my home life because I would go to their houses on sleepovers or parties or whatever. And I'd be like, man, their moms are so nice to them and they're so loving and caring. And I would just be like, man, if I was just mothered differently, I would be able to thrive more, right? And my temperature would increase. And so that's why, again, too, you know, we grow up with a certain temperature and then we get used to that. And so we start to attract new relationships from that place. You know, a lot of people say that we attract the partner in our life that um, we haven't healed yet from that parent. So like, for example, in my first marriage, you know, there was a lot of similarities between my mom and my ex, um, just in different behaviors and things of that sort. Now there were some differences, but there were some similarities there. And then once I healed that after obviously breaking up with him and then going through coaching, which is a process that I now use with clients, um, as a client and healing that, then I got to this place of like, oh, okay, like I'm ready to attract a mate that's more at 80 degrees, right? And then I was able to attract my husband. So we tend to attract off of the degrees we're set at, right? Until we do some sort of deeper work for us to increase that temperature. What also I want to mention here is we tend to attract work environments that are similar to how we grew up too. And they tend to have similar dynamics to what we grew up with as well. So many times I'll have clients and I'm thinking of one in particular because <laughs> we just coached on this, but it's like very similar problems to what she deals with with her father. Just like she's annoyed with everybody often. It's like kind of almost like they're man babies and they can't take care of themselves and they say really rude things. And like that's exactly how her father is. And so it's been interesting as we've been healing some of the stuff of her dad, how she has viewed her work environment differently and she's stepped up in a different way to be able to change that dynamic. So in essence, we've like raised her temperature, right? So I hope all that makes sense. If not, go read the book, The Big Leap. He talks about it even more. But I know when I first heard this concept, I was mind blown. So I heard it after I had already done coaching as a client and I was already coaching clients. And what would happen is I would coach them through the process that I said I went through and then became certified in. And they would have these beautiful improvements through the six months at at that time we were coaching together. And then I would start to see them self-sabotage in essence. And you know, they'd have this big growth and then all of a sudden some other area of life would start to diminish or the work that we did just started to become unraveled. And I'd be like, well, what, what is going on here? And I would see it in my own life. Like I attracted my husband, right? But then all of a sudden, like other areas of my life felt really funky. And especially when we'd have these really big up levels in our relationship, because when we first started dating, you know, he was really whining and dining me and not in a sleazy way and a very, how would I describe it? Just like really authentic and wholesome way. Like I could tell pretty early on that he genuinely 
was into me and it wasn't a way he was trying to control me the way like narcissists do, which is what I have attracted in the past. And that just felt really uncomfortable to me to be loved in that way. Because again, I hadn't been loved in that way in my household growing up. And so I was like really stretching out of that. And it felt really weird at that time too, to um, be stretching in my career. And so I kind of just took a job where, you know, I was just getting paid. I was working at a college and you've probably heard that story. Like I got paid to do nothing in essence, which was such a gift. But yeah, I really had to like slow my growth in a lot of areas to be able to take in all the abundance. And so again, I was seeing this with clients over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh, what is this? And the book, The Big Leap had been suggested for me to read a long time ago and I had it on my bookshelf. And then one day it was like, almost like these bright lights were coming off of it, like this ah moment. And I saw it and I was like, Lindsay, it is time for you to read that book. Popped it open and I couldn't put it down. And then I started teaching that concept to clients. I was like, okay, we're getting to the point in the process where you've likely made some big changes. I wanna introduce you to this concept called the upper limit problem and self-sabotage and all the things, right? And so that's helped so much. So now they're aware of it. Awareness is always the first step to change, right? We have to become aware of it. And they can start to see when they're starting to, in essence, have an upper limit problem, right? Or self-sabotage. And we can catch it sooner. And then also, because we're both aware of it too, then we're able to push their what I call pleasure edges slower because some of my clients, especially if they have a high inner critic, because that critical voice can just be so mean to them, right? And it brings their frequency down or that temperature down, then it's tricky to really go into the upswing of what the second part of my coaching process is like. And so again, it's just like we, we become aware of it, we start to develop some strategies and we start to just really observe, okay, since you're increasing in this area, like, you know, I'm checking in a lot of like what's going on everywhere else. You know, most times with one-on-one clients, we start off calls because we start spacing them out as the process goes. I'll just be like, okay, just like give me an update on everything going on in life. And I think some of them are like, why am I updating you on every single area? And I'll ask about every single area. And it's because I'm checking in to say, okay, because we're making, you know, changes in this other area, which is typically the areas they've hired me to really focus in on, which for most people, it tends to be career. So we're making changes in the career. What else is going on? Is the relationship starting to suffer a little bit, et cetera, et cetera, right? So yeah, that's upper limit in a nutshell. Hopefully that all makes sense to you. Again, in his book, he talks about different ways that we self-sabotage and things of that sort because it can be even just little things of like starting to blame people for other things and stuff like that. So go read that book if you want to learn more about that. But today we're talking about specifically if you're addicted to the struggle. So I want to bring us back to my mastermind that I've been in, right? And me observing these four women who I feel embodied the seven-figure seductress to a T. And just to give you a little insight, what's a seven-figure seductress? It's obviously someone who's making near seven figures, just really like owning their power in their business. They have likely a team that they're supporting really strongly. They have clients that they love working with. They really stay in their zone of genius when they're working. Yeah, they've just kind of like figured it all out and they're at this place where, you know, it sounds really cliche, but 
they, you know, kind of put their feet up and they're like, yeah, you know, I've built it all. It took me many years to build it and I've built it and now I get to just support it all and really stay in, again, my zone of genius, meaning like the things that they do well, which for most of them is teaching and coaching. And so, yeah. So I've been watching them, observing them, and then watching the four of us who I believe are in the hunt for that and seeing, okay, they're not addicted to this struggle. What is it that I need to change in order for us not to be? Because as I listen to some of my peers that are in the hunt getting coached, I'll catch it. I'll be like, man, so-and-so's life is getting really good. Like she just signed these new clients. She has more free time than ever before. She's increased her profit margins. And I'm sitting back there and I'm listening, listening, listening. And all of a sudden it's just like they're making up problems out of nowhere, right? And I saw, I've seen this in my own life. And I've had some big things come up for me this past year, especially like my business in 2020 really took off. I started signing for the most part clients that were really in alignment for who I am. Like I call them like soul sister clients. And um, yeah, things just started to get really fun, a lot easier. I was starting to make the money that I wanted to make. And then in 2021, it was kind of all over the place. And I did some deeper work, as I've talked about on the show, which is great and awesome and all that. And I'm so glad that I did it because in order to expand like that and keep that expansion, I needed to do that work. And also it got to a point where it was like, okay, I don't really know if I need to keep doing this work because now I've kind of gotten in this cycle of just almost like feeling like shit all the time and like bringing up really big, heavy emotions just because I know I need to by doing this work and it's just like not really needed anymore. And also just things in my own life, like with my marriage, things are kind of off for a while and all of it needed to happen and all of those things, right? But again, it was like, okay, Lindsay, you're getting to a place where you did the work that you were originally called to do in 2021. That's wrapping up. You've settled a lot of things in your marriage that weren't really in alignment, but now it is. And then why are you just still kind of like in this funk? Why is it that you are still attracting these really weird off things? Like, for example, I had somebody who wanted to sign up for coaching and she wanted to pay me in full, which is rare. Most people don't pay me in full, especially for one-on-one coaching. And her payment couldn't go through because she was overseas. And all of a sudden she's like, oh, never mind. I don't want to do it anymore. And she freaks out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Now, obviously that's on her and her nervous system. I tried to coach her through it, but she was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But it's just like weird ass shit like that, to be honest, of just like weird things come up. Like I also have mentioned on the podcast, I had this client from 2020 who got to the end of coaching with me and then she decided, oh, I don't like my results, even though she had been happy the whole time. And I had, gosh, over a dozen emails from her talking about how happy she was. She decided, no, I'm not happy anymore, went and then has done all these things to get a refund request and I haven't honored it because it's like, no, you were happy the whole time. I've given you most of the results you wanted. We just didn't get them all because we had to get these other results first. Gone on to sue me. I ended up winning that suitcase. Yay. But yeah, just like shit, like, like just weird ass shit. My kids have been sick a lot and I know some of that is 
you know, we were in this COVID bubble and then so immune systems are down and now we're out and about. It's just like, again, just weird ass shit. And some of it, right, we can't control, but also some of it we can. And some of it is like the sneaky ass ways that we self-sabotage. Like, for example, I just said that my son is in the hospital right now, which again is like, holy shit, right? Um, I've never even been in the hospital other than to have my babies, I just don't even feel like I can go there and talking about all of it right now since I'm in the thick of it. But I look back on that and I'm like, what did I miss here? I mean, granted, it's this weird virus. It's basically just like a cold virus. And with kids his age, it can just turn really fast. Like he was fine on, what was it, Saturday? Totally fine. And then as the day went on, he's like, mommy, I'm feeling a little bit sick. I was like, okay, no problem. Let's rest. He had a very low-grade fever by the end of the night at 99 degrees Fahrenheit. I was like, okay, I'm just going to give you some meds and send you to bed. And then all of a sudden overnight, he just turned and he was breathing funkily. He was really laboring to breathe. And then we tested his blood oxygen level and it was low. And then one thing after another, we had to, you know, rush to all these different places and ended up in the ICU, which is crazy, right? It's like every parent's worst nightmare. So yeah, he's fine. Everything's fine. It's just this weird random thing. It happens. It really isn't as traumatic as it sounds, to be quite honest. And maybe it's just because I haven't processed it because we just, you know, everything is really fine in it. But Um, Yeah, so I look back on it and I'm like, man, did I like miss something there? Did I like secretly self-sabotage this? You know, looking back to like the client situations, I'm like, am I, is there something I'm doing that secretly self-sabotaging this? Because is it that my body is so addicted to the struggle in essence? And struggle again is like, I'm probably living in the 80-ish degrees right now. So I have a pretty fucking good life, right? Of course, I'd like to get up to the 90s. But yeah, it's like, what am I doing here to kind of stay in this loop versus, again, like seeing some of my mastermind sisters who are at the 90s, right? And what they've been able to do to get past that. Okay, so I just want to switch gears for a second and get into some very specific signs that you could be addicted to the struggle so that you can start to see, okay, is this happening to me? All right. So the first sign is that you're grouchy for no reason, often, even though you have a great life. Like I am catching this now with clients all of the time, because again, I started catching this in myself the past few months. I started to sit there and say, okay, why is it that I'm grouchy or moody today or just kind of in a funk when nothing is going wrong everything is more than fine. And I still just kind of feel like this low level hum of cautiousness, right? And so I started to just allow myself to lean into of like, everything is fine, Lindsay, everything is great. And just reminding myself of that, even, you know, now that we're in the hospital with my son, I just happen to be on break where my husband's up there and I'm at home, you know, doing laundry and such. And even in this, it's like, okay, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh my God, this is like, you know, my nightmare or this is so horrible, but I'm like, everything's fine. I like, I felt more at ease during this whole crazy experience than ever before because I had been doing this work for months on end, catching myself in the, 
wait a second, why am I grouchy for no reason? So as I said, I'm catching this with clients a lot now too of I'm reminding them when they're like, oh God, my husband's just bothering me like crazy or oh, I'm just so stressed at work. And we'll sit there and we'll unravel it and I'll say, okay, tell me more. What is it about your husband? What is it about work? What is it about XYZ thing, right? And as we unravel it, you know, like for example, one client with the work stuff, it was like, oh, okay, well, you just need some better boundaries here. Like this is an easily solvable problem. And then it's almost like you're, I'm watching for their body to like release the stress response. And sometimes they will a little bit like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. And sometimes it's like their body's just so used to being in, again, the struggle or the stress response that they will stay in it like, oh, okay, it's just the boundaries. It's, okay, well, how do I do that? And then I'm like, stop. Let's just take some breaths, okay? Let's just take a moment. Sometimes I'll even say, let's close our eyes for a few minutes. Let's breathe. And let me just kind of like take you on a quick little journey and remind you like, life is really good. You're not in a struggle anymore because most of them have done work with me for a couple months, if not longer at this point. It's like, we've cleaned shit up. Things have gotten better. Let's calm it down. We can start to teach our bodies and our brains to calm it down, right? So again, if you find yourself just kind of in that like grouchy mood or just like an anxious mode, because that was me for a long time before I caught the grouchiness. About a year or so ago, I was telling, you know, one of my coaches at the time of like, I am anxious all the time and I don't know why. It's because I'd finally gotten to a point in my life where I was, I had so much ease and so much safety and security that my body didn't know what the hell to do with it. It was like, wait, there's nothing to be anxious about anymore? Like, what the hell's going on here, right? And that's when I started to say, okay, what's going on? I started to see again, I was addicted to the struggle. Okay, here's another sign you're addicted to the struggle. Little problems seem to always come up. Just like little things like, oh, fuck. You know, I knew I should have bought that one thing to work today and I left it at home. Or, oh, I totally forgot that my kids needed this thing out at school. Or, you know, oh, I just got this random cold out of nowhere. You know, it's just like these little bothersome things that just keep happening. Oh, I forgot to take my car in and get an oil change or my tires rotated. And now all of a sudden, like I need a new tire, right? So again, it's just like these little things that we're missing, but we're probably missing it because other areas of our life, again, have gotten so good that like almost unconsciously we start to self-sabotage and we start to miss other things in our life. Crazy, right? All right, another sign that you're addicted to the struggle, you experience anxiety even though there's logically nothing to be anxious about. I just talked about that one. Another sign is you've had a big up level, but now it feels like other areas are suffering because of it. So I keep touching on this one, but I wanna just touch on it a little bit more for a second. So Again, you know, what I see this most with clients is in the career area, they'll grow in their career and then all of a sudden like relationship starts to suffer. And the way that we start to combat this, I'll do it before they even make the up level in the career is we'll get very clear what we want their work-life blend to look like. So how many hours they're working, what boundaries they're having at their new job, how they want to feel, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
And so then when they're leaning into that, we lean in slowly and intentionally so that they don't get swept away by the excitement of a new job. And for many of them, they still have this kind of pressure to perform and be a quote unquote good girl. And they're just excited in general. And so they're really driven, right? And so we get really slow and intentional on that as we ease into it. Same with my marriage. You know, when I leaned into my marriage and I got married, I slowed down a lot in my business because it just felt like such a huge up level to marry a man like my husband and be loved in the way that he loved me. And then on top of that, like he was gifting me these beautiful gifts, like my engagement ring is two and a half carats. I mean, when he opened that box and I had a ring like that, I was like, holy shit. And it was exactly the ring that I had sent him months ago of like, hey, this is like my ideal ring. Like he listened to that. He went out and got it. He delivered in on that. And I will tell you, like in my ex situation, I believe that ring that he gave me was like two carats, but he didn't love, you know, he didn't love me. He treated me like shit. So it was so different when this man is like presenting me with this ring and just so much love behind that. Right. And then to our wedding, we had a nice wedding. It was small and intimate, but it was really nice. We went to Bora Bora, stayed at the Four Seasons. I know I've told the story a lot, but it was just like, I can't take any more abundance. And I even remember during the wedding process, he wanted to like give me something. I think it was like our bride and groom gifts or something like that. And he's like, well, I want to get you some diamond earrings. And so he took me to this really nice jewelry shop and he's like, start to look around. And I remember sitting there having almost like a fucking anxiety attack of like taking in of like, okay, I've already gotten this ring and now we're having this wedding and now you want to buy me diamond earrings. And I was just like, I can't like I even when I'm thinking about it now, it's this feeling for me, like I'm choking almost like I'm so full, you know, when you eat so much, you feel like you're gonna throw up. That's how it feels to me. It's just like, oh, I can't take any more abundance. It just feels like too much, right? And so yeah, it's just really tricky. And so again, I was like, really leaning into the marriage. And I just couldn't handle more abundance in my career because I had done really well like the first year or two of my business and then after that it just kind of tanked for a little while and so some of that was like not intentional but some of it was like I couldn't take any more abundance and so I intentionally knew that and the other part is self-sabotage but yeah so again had I been coached in a different way at that time because again my coach didn't know about the upper limit problem and self-sabotage and all that you know, I would go back and I would coach that in a way where if I were my client, I would ease them into that massive abundance um, very, very slowly. So just know it can be done. But if you find yourself, you know, huge up level, just know you need support in that. If you do that shit and you don't get any support in that, whoo, girl, watch out. Watch out. And I don't mean it in a way to like scare you or to like give you fear-based thinking so then you hire me. I'm just saying that's hard shit. That is really hard shit to increase your temperature and not get support through that because probably everything in your brain and your body is going to want to take you back down to that temperature. And you may think, well, why why is it that our brains and bodies do this? Well, okay, think about the brain, right? The brain wants to be safe. That's its number one job is to create safety. And what is safety? 
is things that you know, things that you're comfortable with. So even if you're increasing your temperature and you're wanting to increase that temperature, the brain is like, this is new stuff. This is scary to me. I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, I want to go back to the temperature that I'm really aware of, right? And so that's how we bring ourselves back down, okay? All right, going back to the signs you're addicted to the struggle, you're slowing down and living in even more pleasure, but it feels extravagant and frivolous. Whew, I hear this one all the time. And to be honest, I deal with this myself because I'm leaning into new pleasure edges, as I call them. And so, like, what does it look like for me is I have taken more time off. I only take client calls Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays now. And I do admin days, Monday and Friday. And to be honest, you know, Fridays tend to just be honestly, like a pleasure day most of the time. I've been a little bit busier lately, and so it hasn't fully been that. But for a while, it was like, go get facials, go get a massage, you know, do a longer workout, do this other stuff. And so, you know, that felt really kind of edgy to me at the time. And then too, as I've slowed down even more, I take a lot more naps. I just don't really get like stirred up in the last little bit of hustle that I had left of like, oh, I need you to do this more in business or, oh, I need you to do that. Or, oh, I need to over deliver to this client or I need to think about them all the time because, you know, they're paying me so much money and like, I just need to sit here and think about them. I've started to set really clear boundaries of, okay, here's what I provide as a coach. And that's something else I've been able to observe in my mastermind is to be honest, I'm just going to say it very frankly, is how much my other mastermind sisters charge and for how little they give in that. And yet their clients still do really well and are still really happy. And I'm like, shit, I am doing way too much and not in a way where I'm even resentful for that or anything like that. It's just like, why? Why am I doing that? Like they're grown ass women and they're strong and they're powerful. Like they don't need me sitting around thinking about them. Like I go in, I do you know, what it is that I do in my sessions and the support in between, but I don't need to like sit here and just be almost like hyper-focused on them. Like I can go and enjoy my life too. And so I've done a lot of coaching around responsibility and what's mine and what's other people's, which I swear to you is still codependency and I'm not going to go down that road right now. But yeah, it's just like, okay, it's okay to live in pleasure. It's okay for things to be easy. It's okay for things to be pleasurable. It's okay. Like that's kind of what we're all wanting, right? Is to be in a place where life is really pleasurable almost all the time. Even when, you know, my kid's in the freaking hospital, I can still find pleasure in that. Like how freaking crazy is that, right? And so I'll hear from clients, excuse me, all the time, you know, it's just like, oh, I just feel so bad. I feel so guilty. And that's where, again, I try to really guide them to slowly edge into pleasure levels. We do something called do you time, which is basically self-care. And we start with one hour a week and we ease up to eight hours a week. But even then, like that's still kind of a low level. And so I'll see how far I can kind of take them in that. But yeah, we ease into that. So their nervous system doesn't freak out because too, for a lot of driven women, right? We use work or other things as a way to distract us from our feelings. We've been highly conditioned that our results equal our worth. And we just love kind of the 
you know, the action and, and kind of getting shit done, right? And so we've got to learn to balance that out. So anyways, again, if you're feeling really uncomfortable and pleasure, it feels extravagant, it feels frivolous, that's a sign you're addicted to the struggle. All right, couple more things I want to touch on that you could be signs or could be signs. You're still using distractions more than you like. So distractions are things you don't want to do, but you're doing them anyway. Okay, I'm going to say that again in case that's the first time you've heard it. Distractions are things you don't want to do, but you do them anyway. So that's like scrolling your phone. And after you do it, you're like, shit, I did not want to be on Instagram the past hour. Why did I do that? It's being on any other technological device. And you're like, damn, I did not want to spend my whole night on Netflix. Or I didn't want to spend my time on my computer doing that or playing games or whatever. It can also look like going shopping. You know, there's that joke out there all the time is like shopping is my therapy, that's great if you want to go do that. So if you want to spend your money there, do it. But after you're shopping, if you're like, damn, I really didn't have that money. I really didn't want to do that. I instantly kind of feel gross about it because now the endorphin hit is gone. That's a sign. That's a distraction. Same with gossip. You go and you gossip afterward. You're like, Ugh, I didn't really want to do that. Why did I say that thing? You know, again, work can be one for people. Caretaking can be one for people. There's many different and we test them in the coaching process. But if you're still using distractions more than you'd like, that's a sign you're addicted to the struggle. Because especially if you've coached with me, you know what distractions are. You know you can go and test those things at any moment. You have that assessment to go test them. You know why distractions come up. You know how to diminish them. And yet, if you're not doing that, what the fuck, right? You're still just like, just choosing in essence to be addicted to the struggle. You're choosing it because you have the tools to tap in on what the fuck's going on and overcome it. And if you're not doing that, you're going to stay stuck. Yeah. All right. Another sign you're addicted to the struggle, your relationships feel mostly safe, but you're not at your ideal with them yet and you don't feel comfy to show your fullest self. Okay. So I'm going to use my husband again as an example of this. My husband, I started to feel really safe with him pretty early on. I was like, damn, this dude is like, actually like loves unconditionally. Like what the fuck is like this? I've never experienced this in my life. Right. And so I started to feel really safe with him and my body and my brain were like, yeah, Lindsay, okay. Open yourself up to this. Like allow yourself to have that. But I still felt really guarded and that. And so it was, it was really hard for me. And I'll tell you, even now, you know, as we reach new levels in our relationship, especially after last year, we, it was a hard, hard year for our marriage. And then we've, we've overcome it, at least for now. Let's <laughs> hope so we stay there. Yeah. It's like we reach these new levels and I'm like, oh shit. All right. Now, you know, we're at the edge of like, you know, I'm just going to be frank with you of like having sex with the lights on. It's like, whoa, okay, I'm showing new places of myself. Like we're talking about new things that we've never talked about before. I'm being really honest with him in different ways about things or before I'd stuff those things. And it's not like, again, it was like all or nothing. Like I'd always stuff everything or, you know, be really self-conscious in sex. It was just like, you know, we've just kind of pushed things again to these new edges, these new pleasure places with each other. And I'll often find myself getting really uncomfortable in that. And I'll have to acknowledge it and be like, who? Okay, Lindsay, just lean into this. You're like starting to get, you know, upper limit problems coming up here. Just, you know, staying addicted to the struggle in essence, just lean in, lean into it. Right. 
Another sign is you get more sick more often than you have before. I kind of mentioned that earlier. It's just like these little things just keep popping up over and over again. Now I do know, you know, with like the COVID bubble stuff, again, our immune system adjusts down because we didn't get exposed to a lot of people for a long time. And then we wore masks everywhere. We were sanitizing everywhere, right? And so then our bodies were just like, what the hell are these germ things? I haven't seen these things in a long time. And so now that many of us are out in the world, it's like, what the fuck is this, right? Um, so there is that element to it. But also I am a big believer in, you know, our minds create illness. And, you know, you see this all the time. Like I saw it when I had my kids. They had me on all these monitors in the hospital, right? And a heart monitor. And anytime I would get anxious, my heart monitor would just start beeping, beep, 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 right? And so then I learned very quick, quickly of like, oh, wow, I can see directly the impact my anxiety has just alone on my heart, right? And so imagine if you're living in an anxious state, pretty often you're putting all that pressure on systems like your heart. So what's going to happen then? You're going to have things like heart palpitations, which I used to have, right? Or, you know, other heart things that come along the way. And so, yeah, we do create illness with our minds, right? Especially with um, even just little viruses and things. If, you know, you're at a place where you're working yourself to just really hard edges, maybe you just had a breakup or maybe you just had some hard experience in your life, even if it was just like, you know, like something small but big at the same time for you, you know, your immune system gets down. And so then what? You pick up these little bugs more and more. Well, why is your immune system getting down? What is it that's bothering you so much? Are you staying addicted to the struggle? Are you kind of staying stuck in places that you need to fully process? So again, if you're a client of mine, you have those tools, right, to know what to do to go fully process. But if you don't, then yeah, you are going to kind of stay stuck because you don't know how to process whatever shit is coming up for you in a way that actually gets it out of your brain and body so then you can move forward. All right, three more signs I'm going to share with you to show that you could be addicted to the struggle. You have thoughts like there's always something or when something good happens, it's unsafe or causes something bad to happen or bad things are just a part of life. So if you're having thoughts like that, you're in essence manifesting an addiction to the struggle. And these are actually thoughts that I've worked through either myself or I've worked through with clients is they started getting a lot more pleasure in their lives. We Again, we cleaned up some stuff. So certain areas started to thrive. And then it was like new level, new devil is what I always say, right? It's like, okay, we've improved these things. And now all of a sudden these other funky ass things are coming up. And so then they'll say to me, oh, Lindsay, it just always seems like there's something or, oh, Lindsay, it just seems like, you know, when something good happens, something bad's going to happen. I'm like, woo, all right, let's explore this. And so, you know, we'll spend maybe a session or it won't even take us a whole session to explore into that, look into that belief and start to change that. Because again, if we don't lean into that, we don't change those beliefs, we're going to just keep creating that because, you know, many of you know this, if you listen close to the podcast, especially for a client of mine, our thoughts end up on our result line. Okay, we have so much more power than society has ever taught us that we do. It's not our circumstances that create our results. It's our thoughts that do. Okay, so I'll give you an example of this. And just in case you're a newbie to this, I'll use, for example, the circumstance of my son, right, being in the hospital. So my circumstance, my son's in the hospital, right? My thoughts about it are just like, okay, 
this is just what happens sometimes. Another thought I have about it is we're finally getting answers as to why he gets sick so often and things can take him down like this. I even have a thought of like, this is a blessing. Of course I have thoughts too of like, oh, this is annoying. We're having to change like our trip we're about to take in it but I'm also in a place too of like well I'm so grateful we're able to move it I'm so grateful we had insurance so grateful we have health insurance right and so have a lot of really positive thoughts about that and so what's the result being created right now is like yeah it's a sucky experience in many ways but also like it's not sucky at the same time and so the, my result is being created of that of like we are getting answers we are you know so grateful for all the things and we're staying in that state of gratitude along the way if I went into this of like see bad shit happens all the time blah 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 you know all that stuff then this would create a totally different experience all right next thing sign you have an addiction to the struggle you feel guilt often for the success you've created I'm gonna say that one again for those in the back you feel guilt often for the success you've created Okay, this has been a big one for me as I've done diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Okay, also known in some circles as anti-racism coaching. They're similar and different in all the ways. But this is something I had to deal with. Women of color, you know, close your ears for a minute or just like take a back seat. But I really had to process of my white guilt, right? Of like, I've, you know, as I started to open my eyes even more to my privilege, I was like, damn, I just feel so fucking guilty that I was born in this skin and that gives me a privilege over other people. And Alyssa, my coach, worked through me through that like a fucking boss um, and held the space so fucking well in that. But that was something that was really holding me back for a while. And I see this with clients, too, who haven't done as much DEI work. Now, some of them in my mastermind are doing this work with Alyssa now, which is so beautiful. Um, They're just like, oh, I just now that I've, again, awakened to my privilege, like I feel so bad for it. And the way Alyssa coached me through that is like, again, none of us really choose what we're born into. Now, on a soul level, you may be like, yeah, we all choose this experience and I hear you. I totally agree. And also, it's like none of us are like, yeah, I can't wait to go to Earth and be in this body and have more privilege than, say, my black counterparts. Most of us don't want that, right? But it just is what it is. These systems are set up. Nobody single-handedly set up these systems, and we're all part of it. And so I just learned to take in of like, okay, yeah, I'm a white girl. I have so many privileges in that, not just being white, but being upper middle class, um, being educated, being able-bodied, being what most consider like generally good looking. And so people are receptive to that. You know, I've even seen this again with this hospital experience of like the way the nurses interact with me and my husband because we are white probably and we are educated like they get so excited when they come and they see us and I've even heard their discharge of the way that they discharge other patients versus my son it's like oh he's so cute and he's so nice and he's so polite and I just love working with him you're gonna love your shift with him and da 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 well yeah of course like my son's cute and stuff like obviously he's my kid And also, he's in an environment 
where he's educated, where he doesn't have a lot of trauma. He's well-loved. He's white. He is cute. And they're all mostly white. And so, you know, our brains tend to be attracted to things that are like us, even though, you know, we don't necessarily want it to be that way. It's just the way the brain is. It goes back to the safety thing, right? It's like, oh, you're like me. This feels safe, right? Um, and so, yeah, we get privilege in that. We get power in that. And so what I had to really do in my DEI work was like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do with this privilege? I have this privilege for a reason. What am I going to do with it? And that's where Alyssa coached me to that place. And so I don't really get in that place anymore of feeling guilty about it. I get in a place of, okay, yeah, I've got this power. So what the fuck am I going to do? You know, with some of my mastermind sisters too, we'll talk about that of like, you know, some of them again are making really, really good money. And most all of them, I think all of them have a certain amount of money that they give to charity and they don't make it a big deal. They don't like announce it. They're not like, oh, look at me and let me take pictures of all this. It's a backhanded thing because they've all done their own DI work and they're like, okay, like this is just what we do. And I give back in that way and I still go out and do my thing and I work it that way. Okay. So that's just one example of how guilt can show up. Um, I know, you know, it can show up in different ways. Like I'll throw my husband out here. My husband grew up basically in poverty, it improved in time, but was almost like homeless at a point, didn't have a lot of money, right? And he's done very well for, for himself. He's a wealth manager. He obviously helps people who are wealthy themselves. And so, yeah, he does very well financially. Most of his family does not. And there's some guilt that has come up for him in that I've coached him through that in a lot of ways. But yeah, he felt relieved and he felt excited about his success, but there's also that level of guilt, right? So just be aware if that's you, that's something you need to coach through. The last thing I want to say here as a sign you're addicted to the struggle is you want more growth, but you also find yourself feeling greedy or unsure, if not unmotivated to go after more. Okay. I'm going to say that one again, because it could be a little confusing, but you want more growth, but you also find yourself feeling greedy or unsure, if not unmotivated to go after more. So this looks like, oh, I want to, you know, hit my next level in my business or my career or confidence in myself. Or I want to book these next opportunities, you know, or I want to take my marriage to the next level. Like for a long time, I've talked about this on the podcast. I wanted to have a quote unquote 10 marriage. And it just felt like fucking hell, to be honest with you, to like even get past the point of what I considered at that time on level eight. As I started to unpack it more, I was like, ooh, we're really not an eight. We're more like a five, six. So this is like a very average marriage because, again, I was like unpacking things really deeply. And now I'd say we're at like a solid eight with 10 moments. And I think that's exactly where I wanted to be. And so I wanted that growth, right? But at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, well, most marriages, Lindsay, are a five, six. You know, half of marriages end in divorce, so they're probably the ones that are like a five and below. You get an average marriage, like that's pretty damn good. You know, and because think about it. I don't know about you, but if you were to sit here and think of a marriage that you're like, damn, that is a fucking marriage. Like that is a marriage that I want. Can you think of anybody? I sure as hell can't. If you can, you are lucky. Because one of my mastermind sisters is actually a marriage Actually, she's on the podcast, Alexandra Stockwell, right? She was just on the podcast. In her book, she talks about she used to ask couples that she worked with. She would say, okay, who's your ideal like couple? Who's somebody you admire? And she said nobody could answer that question. Nobody. 
So going back to my goal, right, of like, I was thinking, who the fuck am I? But then there was a part of me that's like, who the fuck am I not, right? I did this in my career. There was a long time I was in HR, and I was like, oh, this is like a 5-6. It's not bad. It's just super average. And I felt really silly and, frankly, really greedy and selfish to be like, I want a fucking 10 career. And I will do whatever it takes to get that 10 career because I'm only in my 20s and I'm not doing this shit for another like fucking 40 years. Like something's got to change here. I'm so glad. Thank God I leaned into that because now my career is a 10. I love my career so very much. So yeah. So if you're like, yeah, I really want these new levels, but I just feel really greedy or unsure if it's even possible. And so then you lack motivation in it. That's a sign you're, you are addicted to the struggle in essence. You're like, but it feels so safe right now. And I just don't even know. Like, oh, maybe then I'll have to hire Lindsay and I'm gonna have to pay a couple thousand dollars. But then the ROI could be really good. But what if it doesn't work out? And then what? Right? (sighs) Yeah. So anyways, all that to say, if you are sowing these signs, you could be, my friend, addicted to the struggle. So I've given you so many tips today on how you can overcome it. Obviously, the best way is to coach with me. As the time of this recording, I believe I have four one-on-one spots for the rest of 2022. Those will likely go by the end of July. One-on-one is the most intimate way to work with me. I also have a group that's coming up. We will start in October. And so I'm starting to fill those spots now. I'll only take five for that group. I like to keep my groups really intimate. And so, yes, again, we'll start in October. And then you can also do self-study and go through my program on your own if you're on a budget and you're just wanting to gain the basic tools and not really have my support along the way. Now, you can upgrade and we can do what's called Voxer coaching. So Voxer coaching is we use this app and it's in essence like a walkie-talkie system where we can talk to each other, we can text to each other, and so I can coach you through the process that way. Um, So there's just some different options based on different budgets and just different interests of how you want to be supported. That's the best way, again, to really break the cycle of being addicted to the struggle. In essence, that's what I'm doing for all of my clients, and they don't really know it. They're not coming to me like, Lindsay, I'm addicted to the struggle. Help me out, woman. It's just like, that's why they don't have the goals that they have, right? They've just kind of, in essence, kind of flatlined on the temperature that they've been used to. So the best way to see all the options and to start the coaching process is to go to lindsayepreston.com forward slash apply. We always have the link in the show notes for you to go and check it out there. You'll see the different options, the pricing, everything that's included, results you'll you'll likely gain from the process. And if you jam with it, you think it's your your thing, then click on the button that's on that page and you will go to um, my calendar and we'll book a free call so we can talk through even more all about what you want and how you want the coaching process to help you. The other thing I mentioned in this, book, in this episode is the book, The Big Leap. That's a great self-study way for you to go learn more. I will say, you know, I'm that person sometimes that's just like, oh yeah, just give me the book and do the thing. And that can give great results. But if you are really at a place where you want to change your life and you and you want results, like you know you want to increase in essence like your temperature level. You want to take your overall, most of the people I work with have like a six to eight-ish life. That's kind of where they rank in all the different areas of life. So when we go on your consult call, you'll tell me about the different areas like finances, career, relationships, 
uh, health, et cetera, and we'll rank those one through 10, 10 being the most fulfilled. And most people average out like six to eight. Um, and that's actually an assessment I give out for free now too. It's called the Life Fulfillment Assessment. We'll put the link in the show notes. I don't remember the handle offhand, but we'll put that there. And you can go take that assessment to see where you rank. But again, most people I start with, they usually average around a six to eight. Sometimes they get some fours in there. And sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, finances, I'm at a two. But overall, I'm pretty good. I'm just saying like overall. Um, but anyways, we take those areas. And if you're wanting to increase those, that's in essence us increasing, you know, your temperature level. So yeah, that's what we're doing. I would love to work with you. I hope you love this podcast episode today. I loved recording it for you. I've been, again, in the hospital, just kind of counting down the hours to, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get home and record this. So thank you for giving me the space to do that. I hope you have some great takeaways and I cannot wait to meet you soon on a consult call, hopefully. All right, my friend, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book this book is a study guide for life enjoy and of course share this show with your friends i believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside the more you help others succeed the more you help yourself so share share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.